Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. My name is Joe McCall, and I got a special guest with me today. But first things first, housekeeping, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. And if you haven't yet, download our Fast Cash Survival Kit. Appreciate that. And uh, also, leave us a review. The If you leave us a review in iTunes, if you go back a few podcasts ago, we did a little video And uh, we're giving away some books for free if you leave us a review in iTunes. And um, I got a book here, Brilliant at the Basics. Another book that we wrote, I wrote actually, called Flipping Houses While on Vacation. We'll send you the PDF of those books. And along with that, along with the PDF of those books, we'll send you the videos where those books came from. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. I got some other cool things I want to throw in there. Uh, for you too. So I want to jump right in here. We have uh, a guest, Henry Owens, who actually is from my neck of the woods here in St. Louis. He moved here. How long ago did you move here, Henry? I moved here in February of 2014. So about eight to seven or eight months. Crazy. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) So my assistant, Sheila, um, was talking to you the other day, and I forget why or what that was about. Maybe we can talk about that in the podcast. I don't remember, but she just happened to mention to me in passing that you've flipped about 20 deals since moving here to St. Louis. You you went to one of the workshops that I held back, I think, about the same time. Wasn't that right? Yeah, I think it was the first weekend I was in town and went to your workshop. (laughs) That's so awesome. And uh, you've wholesaled about 20 deals since then. Is that right? Yeah, I'm at 20 right now, and I have one closing tomorrow, so I'll be at 21 after tomorrow. Excellent. Good for you, man. That's so awesome. (laughs) So I called Henry up. I said, hey, I'd love to interview you for the podcast and just kind of share your story with folks and and maybe get some people encouraged because this is a great business. It's a great time to be in the market, and uh, you've been wholesaling deals. I'm sure you've got some winners. You've got some losers. Uh, you've made you made some mistakes. You've learned some things along the way. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. It's a learning experience, so it's been good. Is is any two deals are any two deals the same, Henry? Uh, no, they've all pretty much yeah, they've all pretty much been different similarities, but pretty much all different. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's crazy about this business is that it's always different. It's always changing, and it's important to kind of stay on the edge. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean to to um, always be looking at okay, what's different now? What's what's how is the market changing? How do I need to refocus and change my marketing or whatever, if that's the case? But Henry, so I wanted to ask you a few questions about you, how you got started in real estate, why you got interested in real estate, and why you moved to St. Louis, all that good stuff. So, why why did you get started in real estate? What were you doing before? Uh, for the past fifteen years, I actually worked in a moving company, so I was actually physically out on a moving truck every day, uh, humping furniture up and down stairs. Um, I think I went to my first real estate seminar. I was probably 2000, 2002. It was a Ron Grand seminar. So I always had the uh, yeah. interest in real estate and I always bought courses and I always did a little studying on the side. But I was never really able to get it going. So it, it's been a, an interest for a while, but I was never able to get it going consistently. Okay. And so why did you move to St. Louis? 
Um, well, I lived here in 2007 for six months with uh, a buddy of mine who does a lot of rehabs and construction. Um, I tried to do a couple of deals when I was in Boston, but the prices were just so high. It was really hard to find distressed sellers, um, cheap houses, good stuff to wholesale. And I kind of tried to do a little bit of the virtual wholesaling, but that didn't really work out too well. Um, so then I was like, everything I read about St. Louis was it was a good market, uh, high inventory, cheap prices, good deals. And I just, I just said, hey, let me just give it a shot. And I packed up a U-Haul and drove to St. Louis. Awesome. And then um, why, why wholesaling, Henry? Was, was Why not rehabbing or buying a bunch of rental properties? Uh, well, wholesale was always the easiest to get started with. Um, no money, no credit, which is pretty much how I got started. Um, you know, just finding a deal and writing a contract. It was pretty, uh, pretty simple to get going. Um, you know, the ultimate goal will be to move on to some rehabbing and then some buying holds. But uh, wholesale is always the easiest way for a new guy to get started in this business. Now, you know, a lot of gurus advertise that, Henry, like no money, no credit. You can make money. Anybody can do this business. You don't have to have a uh, college education. You don't have to be experienced. You've, you don't even have to have any money or credit. You don't have to get a loan. Anybody can wholesale houses. Is that? Would you agree with that statement, or is it really true that you can flip properties with no money, or is that just kind of hype? I mean, it, it's definitely true. Um, it's definitely true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my credit was terrible when I came here. You know, I, I had some money to do some postcards, but I didn't have. Uh-huh. A lot of money. I mean, that's for sure. I would sign a contract on properties that there's no way I could personally purchase because I didn't have the money to do it. Um, but yeah, you can definitely get started with just a little hustle, maybe a couple bucks with some postcards and, and, and no credit. <laughs> well, talk about that, Henry. Would you? I mean, how did you get started? You're you're doing really well right now. I know that um, you want to do a lot more, and you're not happy with where you're at. But I mean, you're probably wholesaling more deals than 95 percent of people out there who want to be wholesaling deals. <laughs> How did you get started without much money and horrible credit? Um, I just started with postcards. I've always kind of been a big uh, fan of direct mail. Like I said, I did a couple of deals when I was in Boston. I think I did maybe about six or seven okay. in like a year's time. So, you know, I did a little bit um, and they all always do direct mail. So I've always been a big fan of direct mail. It's just kind of the easiest, simplest, most scalable type of thing to do. So that's always what I focus on. So pretty much, um, I want to say 16 or 16 or 17 out of 20 deals I've done have all been through direct mail, all just through postcards. You, when you say you didn't have money, you did have some money to pay for direct mail, right? I did. Yeah, I had a couple thousand dollars to invest in my marketing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you did have a couple thousand dollars to to invest in marketing. You you had to buy a list and mail the postcards. Yeah. Um, but you didn't have to use any money to actually buy these houses and then sell them, right? No, no. No, absolutely not. No, no. Only one deal okay. actually closed on that, partnered on that one with a buddy of mine who put up the money. I think it's important to note that um, when when you do hear the words "no money needed" or whatever, you know that's kind of partially true. I mean, you do you don't need any money to actually buy the house because there's there's different ways you can buy property without money. But you do need some money for marketing. I mean, marketing is really important. And if you're not doing any marketing, you're going to have a hard time getting leads. And if you don't have any leads, you're going to have a hard time doing a deal. There are some marketing strategies that you can use. There's actually quite a few different marketing strategies you can use with a limited budget. But you're always going to have to spend some money on marketing. And I totally agree with you. 
I'm a big fan of postcards too. I think postcards have always worked and they always will work. Okay, so you're, you, you're a big fan of postcards. Most of your deals you've found through postcards. Um, talk a little bit about what kind of postcards you're sending or who are you sending it to? Um, I'm pretty much just using a pretty simple, I mean, there's a couple of different postcards I use, but they're all pretty much just a simple uh, four by six um, text postcards. You know, some might be glossy, some might not be glossy, some might have, you know, maybe a little more flash to them, but for the most part, they're just simple four by six postcards saying, hey, I want to buy your house, um, you know, easy, fast, cash or whatever. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, I only really hit about a couple of different lists, um, absentee owners, obviously, which everybody preaches. Um, I do some tax delinquent uh, mailings, and I do some vacant houses. Uh, that's pretty much it. So it's not even like a lot. It's just, it's kind of pound those campaigns uh, consistently. Now, everybody knows how to get absentee owner lists. How do you get to your tax delinquent list? Uh, I get them through the county. I call up the county and uh, get the information directly from the county. Right, because in St. Louis County, at least here, and I'm pretty sure this is true in almost all 50 states, most counties have at least once a year a, um, a, a sale for tax liens or ta- unpaid taxes. And many times you can go online and see what those properties are that are up for auction. And uh, sometimes they'll even publish those late taxes, even if they're only a year old, Um and so you're, are you targeting the ones that are a year old, two years, or three years old, or all of them? Um, I go after the ones that owe the uh, most amount of money. So I'll take the, you know, actually get a spreadsheet from the county, and I'll kind of analyze the spreadsheet. And not go after people who owe, you know, a significant amount of taxes um, based upon the value of, or whatever, whatever the tax bill okay. Yeah. Good. And did you hear the podcast interview we did with that guy recently? Oh, I'm sorry. I forget his name right off the top of my head. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, the data miner guy. <laughs> yeah, what's yep. his name? I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't um, remember the name so did, either, but I definitely heard the podcast. Ah, I feel real bad now. <laughs> uh, dang, you know what? I'm going to look while, we're, while I'm asking this next question. But did you take what he taught um, in that podcast and kind of apply it to the county offices here? Is that how you got this list? Uh, well, no, actually, I've been doing county lists since I uh, pretty much since I got to St. Louis. I'd already kind of known about that. Um, but it's basically what he said is it's how it's done. It, it's pretty simple if you think about it. Right. Ken, Ken Ellshoff, uh, that was episode 75. It was called Invisible Leads and how to use the Freedom of Information Act um, to get information from your county. I've had, you know, had somebody tell me um, recently that they went to their county to get some data and the county wanted to charge them like $3,000 or something like that. <laughs> and um, I, I told him, I think he's crazy. Uh, maybe he didn't ask it the right way or wasn't asking for the right thing or didn't ask the right person. I'm not sure. But I know that uh, I, I've gotten information from the county, um, and it only cost me 40 or 50 bucks. Yeah, like I got all my information from St. Louis County. It cost me 30 bucks. That's all okay. Yeah. And was it just the delinquent taxes? Is that what it was? Yeah, I just, that's just the one list I got from the county. Yeah, just delinquent taxes. Yeah. Okay. Just an idea to people out there, too, if, you're, if you want – I went to our county, St. Louis County, and I got a, uh, a CD of all of the property records in the entire county. And it was a con- convoluted mess. <laughs> it was like 20 different TXT files, if you're, you're kind of nerdy. Those are text files. And it, it was a pain in the butt to get it together, but we have a spreadsheet of um, all the property records of all of the um, cap properties in St. Louis County. And I, if I remember correctly, it was only like 40 or $50 to get that CD. 
so cool. And um, you're sending you're sending absentee owners. You're sending postcards to tax delinquent properties. And you mentioned vacants. How are you doing that? What are you What are you doing there? Um, that's just a matter of purchasing a list as well. Purchasing a list of vacant properties. Um, same thing. Send them with the postcard. Okay. Okay, very good. Now, is this a national company that's listing these vacant houses, or is this a local company? A national company. Okay. And I can understand you don't have to give away all your secrets. <laughs> yeah, I try because... to keep a little bit to the cost. <laughs> right, I understand. <laughs> and and I, I'm sensitive with that because um, a lot of people from St. Louis are listening to this. <laughs> and and the guy who's hosting the podcast is listening to this. Too. <laughs> but anyway... Um, I remember now, Henry, wasn't it, didn't you contact our office because you had a couple deals you wanted to maybe partner on? Was that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there were a couple of uh, lease option deals, which I have not done yet. Yes. Um, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's what it was. I, you know, this is really important to know too. When you, when you look at your market that whatever you're in, don't look at other wholesalers as competition. Look at them as partners because there's a lot of opportunity out there where um, you can partner with other wholesalers on deals. Don't think, guys, that you know you're you have a corner on the market, or you're the only one who could be or should be doing deals in that market. Um, the most successful wholesalers I know are partnering with other wholesalers, and a lot of times you'll have a deal you can't sell. You, maybe your buyers are tapped out. Well, if you called another wholesaler and said, "Hey, would you help me with this deal?" They probably have a buyer. That would uh, help you sell it or, you know, that you could sell it too. So Henry had some deals that probably didn't have much equity in them. And he doesn't want to uh, do the work himself of putting it together as a lease option and maybe flipping it. So he he approached our office because we do a lot of those kinds of deals. Um, So that's cool. I wanted to ask you too, the Henry, what areas are you targeting in your marketing? One of the things we did at the workshop, if you remember, is we pulled a list of all the most active zip codes. And I think I remember you saying, having some interest in that in that process and how we did that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the list that you're targeting and, and how and why you do that? Yeah, sure. I mean, right now I target, I live in St. Louis City County. So right now I target St. Louis City County and St. Louis County. Um, obviously when I got to town, I didn't really know that St. Louis is pretty pretty specific in terms of in the city block to block and then in the county um, kind of neighborhood to neighborhood. So initially when I got to town, I, I wasted a lot of mail, mail into areas of towns where if I got a deal, there's no way I'd get a wholesale because it just wasn't, no one was buying there. So just over the last, you know, six or seven or eight months, I've just kind of learned the areas better and where I should be marketing. So now I have it pretty much all broken down the zip codes and what are the good zip codes and what's worth mailing to and, you know, have a deal, it, it you know, I'd be able to sell it. So, but that just takes learning the market. I mean, that's a problem anybody would face who gets started wholesaling. You just got to know your market. Yeah. And that's really good because I imagine, and I want to talk to you soon here about your buyers um, and how you work relationships with your buyers. But I think it's important to know that you can you can pull data all you want, and you can look at spreadsheets, right? And you can see where the numbers or the statistics tell you where the demand is. But a lot of times, it's just it's just really getting familiar with the market and get to know the players. And knocking on doors and banging. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, just getting out in the streets and 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 meeting people, networking, right? Yeah, networking, going on uh, appointments, driving around. Yeah, yeah, and and also you, the probably the best way to find out where the demand is is once you get properties under contract and you realize you can't sell them, 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And then you can go back to your earlier point you made about partnering with other wholesalers. Me, me being a new wholesaler in town, one of the easiest things that I did was call other wholesalers. Um, yeah. like we went to your seminar with Brian Haskins, met Brian Haskins, yeah. and we wholesaled a couple of deals together. Um, Sweet. I remember a while ago you had Brad Donnelly on your, on your podcast, and you said he was a big yeah. wholesaler in town. I literally tracked down Brad Donnelly. I was like, I got to meet this guy. He's doing a lot of deals. And I think Brad and I have done probably three or four deals um, so far. So, yeah, definitely that's, partner with other that's wholesalers. That's awesome. They'll help you learn the market. And they have buyers. <laughs> Uh, excellent. Okay, so could you talk a little bit more about that? What, what did you when you called up Brad Donnelly um, or, or or Brian Haskins? These are guys that are wholesaling deals. Um, by the way, we're all in St. Louis. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's St. Louis isn't that big of a city, but I can count at least twenty or thirty wholesalers that are wholesaling deals deals regularly yep. in the St. Louis area, right? Um, okay, so what did you when you approached Brian or um, Brad? What what did you tell him? Um, well, with Brad, for example, I remember I heard him on your podcast, and I think I heard him on another podcast. And they just he sounded like a guy who knew the market, um, was doing deals, had buyers. So I think I think I, I tracked him down through maybe one of his bandit signs or maybe one of his postcards I saw, and I said, "Hey, you know, my name's Henry. I'm a new guy in town." Yeah, I'd love to just sit down with you and just, you know, chat for a little while. Um, and he actually was a really good guy. He actually sat down with me and gave me some advice and, you know, brought him some leads and, and we ended up doing some deals together. But you, you, you gave him some value is, is the question I'm really asking here is like, you just didn't say, hey, can I pick your brain? You you offered to give him some leads. You offered to split some deals with him. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the key things. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who are very, very generous with their time. But if you're bringing value to somebody, you know, if you're giving them the opportunity to make money, that's really going to get someone else's attention. I mean, yeah, and we've we've split deals, so he's made he's made money for me. You know, it's been a great relationship. But yeah, if you can bring value to that person, um, it's more than just hey, you know, can I steal now your time to talk to you? Right. Good, good. That, that's really important to remember. When you guys out there listening, think about the wholesalers in your market. Um, don't think that paying for their lunch will be enough <laughs> value for them, buying them a coffee, right? That You need to approach them with the attitude of, you know what? How can I help you grow your business? How can I help you make more money? Yeah. I'd like to learn this business. Henry was honest with the guys. He didn't pretend to be some hot shot who knew more than he really did. He said, you know what, I've got some deals here and I'd like some help. I'm a newbie. And um, you know, could you could you give me some information about some of these deals and I'll split them with you. Um anytime you can come to a wholesaler who's doing deals and bring them deals and say, Look, I got some buyers here or I got some deals I need to sell, they're gonna be much more likely to will to be willing to sit down and help you out, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, everybody is in this business to make money, so um, at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. So, good. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That's really important. So, now when you when you partner with other wholesalers, Henry, are you getting the deals and bringing them the deals and saying, "Hey, do you have any buyers for this?" Or are you bringing buyers and saying, "Hey, do you have any deals for these buyers that I found?" What What is your approach when you partner with wholesalers? Um, my, my approach is I think I'm pretty good at, at seller marketing. I really don't do a lot of buyer marketing. I know I should, and, and it's, you know, it's in my schedule to do more buyer marketing, but I'm, I think I'm good at seller marketing. So, so far, all the partner and I've been is because I had a deal and then another guy had the buyer. So that's, that's okay. what I've done so far. Well, cool. 
And, and that's another great thing about partnering with other people is because they have stuff that you don't. They've got good buyers. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You could probably find your own buyer, but maybe you'd only make three grand on the deal because your buyer's list isn't that big. But they have a buyer who they can make 10 grand on the deal and your 50-50 split would be five grand. So you actually make more money by partnering with them than you would if you were just part- doing it on your own. Yep. Is that what I hear you saying? Absolutely. And another thing is, I mean, even if I had five, ten of my own good buyers, you know, like you mentioned, there's probably 20 wholesalers in St. Louis all doing well, all the buyers. If I reach out to those 20 wholesalers, they each have five or ten buyers, and I have, you know, 100 to 500 buyers. So it's just, it just opens it up incredibly. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. reach out to the wholesalers because everybody's going to have different buyers. There's been times when I had a house in a really good area that I knew I didn't have many buyers there. And I called other wholesalers, and I knew the profit was going to be big on this thing. But for one reason or another, I was just too busy. I didn't want to go look at the house. And I partnered with other wholesalers who I knew were more familiar with that area, who had the time at the drop of a hat would go look at the house and inspect it for me and get it sold for a higher price than I could have if I'd done it on my own. And so I was willing to split the profits with them 50-50 because, frankly, I didn't, I didn't want to spend any more time on the deal than I already had. I'd rather partner with somebody who's going to do the work of going to look at the house. I know I'm sounding really lazy, but at, you know, at this time in particular, in this one deal I'm thinking of, I did not want to get in the car and drive 45 minutes to go look at the house. It, this was in Sunset Hills, if you're familiar with that area, Henry. Um, great area. And so I did not want to do it, and this guy actually went and, and looked at the house and did the deal. So anyway... You're, you're talking about you're good at seller marketing, and I like that, Henry. You're, you know what you're good at, and you, you leverage your strengths. So talk about some of the process that you do. Now, you do marketing. Do, do the calls come in? Do you take them yourself? Do they go to voicemail? How do you do that? Um, me, personally, I actually take the calls myself. I remember I had a you know, kind of mentor before who always said that if you're going to spend the money on the marketing, pick up the phone. Um, so I always try. You know, it's not that I'm so busy that I can't answer the phone. I do do this full time, so yeah, all of my seller calls um, go right to my cell phone. I try to answer them live uh, as soon as possible. Now, does that get a little overwhelming? How do you handle the volume? Um, it got it got a little uh, overwhelming uh, when I started, and like I said, when I was marking in a couple of the zip codes that weren't that were pretty bad. So because they were yeah. bad zip codes, you know, if someone got a postcard, they got really excited that someone wanted to buy their property. I did get a lot of calls on a lot of junk leads. Um, so it, that did get a little, a little overwhelming. But right now I try to space out my marketing so it's kind of like an even call flow throughout the month. Um, so that, that's how I do it. And because you're targeting more desirable zip codes, you're getting fewer seller calls, I imagine, right? Yeah, I get, yeah, I get less calls. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're getting fewer calls, but they're more likely to be deals. So they're, you're going after... You're getting better quality calls, I think, right? Exactly. Better, yeah, better, better areas, better, better properties. So, yeah, less call volume, but um, better calls. Excellent. So, I like how you're keeping it simple. And yeah. um, talk about: Do you go see the house? Do you? If there's equity, if there's motivation, are you dropping everything to go meet the seller? Um, as long as it's in a decent enough area, I will go to see it. Um, you know, another thing I picked up, um, just kind of along the lines is, um, just try to book the appointment. Um, you don't know if it's a deal. It might be, it might not be, but, uh, when you, when you're new, it's good just to get the practice. 
Um, just being in front of fellows is great practice. Um, build on building your people skills, uh, building your negotiation skills. Um, being a person from out of state, it's just good to just drive out and just see the neighborhood. So I try to go on as many appointments yeah. as I can. It might not be the best use of my time. I'm going to get really um, busy, but I just try to go on as many appointments as I can just for practice. I don't think you can lose by going on as many appointments. Good. And so far, this has just been you, right? Do you have a virtual assistant? Do you have anybody locally helping you? No, no, I don't. Um, I don't. You know, sometimes wife uh, she'll help. You know, she kind of help with some letters and some research. But no, right now it's just myself. So I'm definitely looking to looking to hire a VA. And um, yeah, I've had someone for a little while put out some data science for me, but that you know that didn't last very long. But no, so far it's just myself. So. You have very little overhead, which is which is really really good. I mean, if you can wholesale twenty deals on your own, without an assistant, without an office, you know, um, then why can't everybody here listening to this do it from their basement? Yeah, it's like you always say, Joe. You know, laptop and cell phone. That's really all you need. You now work from home. Yeah, your bedroom. So yeah, that's really all you need. That's right. <laughs> so you can do it from the parents from the from the basement of your parents' house. Yeah, I mean, you know, internet connection, I thought, you know, and, uh, you know, it right. often helps to have a car to go to see the houses, but it's, yeah, you don't know, much, you really don't. <laughs> well, it just reminds me of this lady one time I was coaching. She had um, three kids, I think, all under the age of five, and her husband was working, but they were living paycheck to paycheck. She really wanted to find another way to make extra money, and she really struggled because every time the seller would call, her kids would be screaming in the background, literally every time. And whenever I talked to her, I knew <laughs> I knew that was true. Her kids were playing or you know being really loud in the back, in the background. And um, you know she wanted to stay at home, and she was never uh, angry or with her kids for being so loud. But that's just the way kids are, right? They're really loud. And so she just decided I got to find a way to make this work, and. She just started emailing sellers every day in Craigslist and different for sale by owner sites and just email only. Wouldn't get on the phone and would do deals two to three or four a month. Most of them were little lease option flips, time up as a lease option. But she was just using email and she would be honest with the sellers. She would explain, you know, it's really hard for me to talk on the phone. I prefer to do email. And if the sellers, you know, had to talk to her or if they had to, to uh, show her the home, you know, then she would just pass on the deal. But every week she'd go in and pick a new city just randomly. She says it's almost like throwing darts. She has a map on the wall and she just randomly picks a new city every week and just sends a bunch of emails and communicates back and forth with emails. So my point in bringing that up is, yeah, you're really all you need. Even if you don't have a cell phone, all you need is a computer. And if you don't have a computer, you could just ride your bike to the library use the library computer, right? Mm-hmm. But anymore, you can buy them really, you can buy a laptop for maybe a hundred, 200 bucks. Um, but anyway, I digress. So Henry, when you're going to, you got a seller, it's got some equity. What, what makes you decide to go see the house? Um, you know, it's a combination of if it's in a, a zip code, um, a good zip code, um, good area, a uh, good school district, obviously is big in St. Louis. And then, if there's any type of situation that I can get over the phone, you know, such as a, a vacant house or a bad tenant or any type of repair, so any type of motivation from their story, um, you know, I try to pick up on that. So that, that would make me go out and see a house. And if they're realistic in their price over the phone, um, that's kind of the criteria I use. Okay. Now, 
you have some areas that you stay away from, um, and you have some good areas that you like. Talk a little bit about the general areas that you don't like. Are they the war zones? Are they the properties? Because there's some areas in St. Louis you couldn't pay somebody to buy it because the property just needs too much work. And no one's going to ever probably rehab a property in those areas and put that much money into it. So what what kind of neighborhoods are you staying away from? Um, in St. Louis City, obviously I don't do anything in North City because I learned that no one really wants to buy up there. Um, yeah. Definitely stay out of North City. And then in terms of the county, uh, as you know, there's the three school districts that have lost their accreditation. Yeah. So I, I, I have done deals in those areas, um, but I only could have had a couple of local guys, who, you know, just looking for really cheap rentals. But overall, I know that most people don't want to buy in those areas. So I, I, I stay away from, um, you know, a couple, couple areas in North, in uh, North County as well. So Riverview, um, uh, Wellston, those type of areas. Normandy? Normandy, yep, Normandy, yep. Glasgow Village, um, I think that's about it. Jennings. You know, anybody listening to this, and you, you, if you want to know what those areas are in your market, just ask around, right? And, and I'm sure Henry probably figured it out. He learned it as he went along, you know, as he was doing deals. And he maybe you probably got a couple deals in Glasgow Village, and then you realized after about a week that how hard it was to sell them. And then as you start talking to other investors, they tell you why. That's how you learn this stuff. You just go out and start doing it. Absolutely. Not be afraid to make mistakes. Yep, that's it. Okay, so uh, you still stay away from the really nice areas too, don't you? I mean, you're not targeting homes in the three hundred thousand dollar range, is that right? Um, I have not yet, but that is my plan for the next couple months to start um, kind of fine tuning my market in and uh, trying to go after some of the more expensive stuff. So that that is the plan. I, I do want to go out there the um, the more expensive okay. stuff because I know I mean it's the same amount of work. I mean, it really is the same amount of work. To make you know ten, fifteen, twenty on also it is to make two or three thousand. So that's the yeah. plan. Okay, but you're still not going to. At least I hope you're not going to to stop marketing to the medium priced homes areas, right? No, no. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll still keep marketing to medium and below um, because there are a lot of right. people who do want these cheap rentals. Um, so no, I, I would yeah, I would never stop that because it is it's kind of my bread and butter, um, and it's uh, it's been consistent. So I right. definitely keep in those areas. I think it's important just to think about what where the where's the demand. And generally speaking, there's fewer deals to be made in median and above, but your wholesale fees might be bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, if you're used to wholesaling a bunch of deals and that's nice, and if you start all of a sudden going after the nicer neighborhoods, you're going to be maybe getting a little frustrated and nervous because you're not going to be wholesaling as many and you're not going to be getting as many deals as many leads, and you're going to need to do more direct mail. Even though your deals are going to be bigger, it just requires a bigger investment. It's a general rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, but you've got to just – you got to know what your bread and butter is, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to know your market. That's it. Know your market. Know your buyers. Good. All right. So, Henry, talk to me about when you go meet a seller – are you going there with the intention of getting a house under contract, or are you just going to build some rapport and give them the contract later? What do you, what's your philosophy on that? Um, my philosophy, because I'm, I'm pretty much a laid-back dude. I'm not overly aggressive. I'm not super salesy. Um, you know, I'm pretty pretty mellow. So I, I'm really just going out to build rapport, 
um, get a better idea of the situation and get an idea of the condition of the property. Um, I never presented an offer to someone um, at, on a first appointment. It's just, I mean, I think it's great if you're that type of person that can do that, but it's just really not my personality. Um, so I, I usually call them back the next day with an offer. That's how. That's what's worked for me so far. Okay. I'm surprised to hear that, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm, I'm not that, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not that aggressive. All right. <laughs> I wish I could be better. I really do. I, mean, I wish I could go in there and get a contract, walk out with a contract every time. And um, uh, I'd like to get there, but it's just, just not really me yet. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you, you don't have to be some super-powered, high-pressured salesman to make money in this business. No, no, all, I mean, really, all personalities work. I mean, it, it, it really works for... Um, yeah, it doesn't matter what you what you like. I mean, it, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> okay, Henry, if, let me ask you just one or two more final questions. I sure appreciate you taking the time. If you were to be dropped into a new city, if you were to go to your next St. Louis, maybe let's just say Albuquerque, New Mexico, you didn't know anybody there, and you were dropped there, and you said, and and you were told, look, you can't go back to see your family. Um, until you do a couple deals or you make five grand, um, what would you start doing in a new market like that? Knowing that you were under the gun, you didn't have much money, you needed to get a deal done fast. What would you start doing first? Um, I'd probably say a couple things. You know, obviously, direct mail would be um, would be one of my uh, key strategies. I've always been a fan of direct mail. I would definitely draw postcards. Absolutely, that'd be one of the first things I'd do. And then the second thing would be actually would find the biggest um, RIA in the area, and I would go to the RIA, and I would start networking as much as possible, uh, find out who the buyers are, finding out who the true players are, um, what type of areas are good, you know, who's looking for deals. Um, that's that would probably be my second thing. That's it? It's supposed to be more complicated than that. <laughs> no, it's pretty simple. Um, it's funny, I'm at... Um, and that's actually what I did here. I mean, I, I belong to the Southside Investment Club in St. Louis, and um, I mean, great, great, great investment club. Uh, they meet every yeah. month. Um, you know, I've done deals with a bunch of people in the room, and it's um, it's been great. I mean, just to know people as a new guy coming in from another city, it's been a great, great club to join. And I, I would suggest to everybody join your local RIA, try to make friends, uh, pass out business cards, go to meetings, and just just network, network, network. And it, it definitely pays off. You know, I'll be honest, I don't. Go to enough Rios as much as I should. <laughs> it's a lot of it has to do with just having four kids, young kids. It's hard to get away from me. But I think I think you're absolutely right. And I used to go to a lot more of them. Um, some people get frustrated, you know, that there's not a lot of people there doing deals. It's mostly beginners. But you're still finding some value from them, right? I mean, you're you're actually meeting people. They're really doing deals, right? Yep, yep. Um yeah, one of the first one of the first deals I did in town was actually with um um it's actually a pretty big company, Faster House and you know, Faster House in St. Louis, uh was with yeah. Phil, Phil Vincent, who's a member of the South Star Ria Club. Um I think we've done probably three or four deals and I met him at the Ria. Um I called him, you know, same thing I did Bradley called him, I said, Hey, you know, I got some deals. I don't know if the deals it might be deals, but I just want to check them out. And I mean he was really cool. He went on appointments with me and we, we did deals, we made money. Um, and yeah, right in the RIA. Um, I met a, I met a bunch of buyers at RIAs. Absolutely. So yeah, it, it's you know there's some people in there doing deals and some people aren't. But you know it's it's a great place for whatever level you have to go and just to, just to network and, and get in the game. And I, I suggest everybody do it. And some RIAs are better than others. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's like anything. Yeah, you know you just gotta find the good ones. I won't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I won't mention names. <laughs> but <laughs> some groups are better than others. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if there isn't one in your market, if you're listening to this, then you should start one. It's a great place to network, find other people that are doing deals. That's awesome. Yep. Well, cool, Henry. Anything else you want to say? Any kind of words of advice maybe to people out there just getting started? Um, I, I would say to people that don't overcomplicate it, um, it's, it's not that hard. I mean, it, it's it's kind of daunting at times, but it, it's really not that hard. It's just doing a little marketing, going on an appointment, getting the contract, and then trying to sell the contract. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, that's all it is to it. You know, I'm not a rehabber. I'm not a landlord. So, you know, I just focus on what, what I know and there's really not a lot of steps to it. I mean, it's, it's not as scary as people make it out to be. Um, and then once you do one, the next one's a little easier, the next one's a little easier and you kind of get a little rhythm and you get a little confidence and it just, you know, it just gets better from there. So that's what I say. Well, you also, I, I, I kind of like what you did too, is that, you didn't have any other choice. You had to make this work. Am I right? Because you weren't. You didn't come here with a job. No. Right? Yeah. No. I I, I burned the ships and um. Yeah. That was it. I, I quit my job in Boston. Like I said, I packed up. You know, the U-Haul trail, and I drove here. And I, you know, had enough. It, was, it wasn't the smartest plan. After I had enough money for maybe two or three months of living expenses and marketing, so it wasn't. It was pretty. It was a little sketchy, but you know, I just, that's how I can make it happen, and I had no no choice to to make it happen. One word, hustle. Yeah, and that's it, you know. Um, you know, the good thing is, um, you know, I am married, but I don't have any children, so, you know, it's it's, it's a lot easier um, in terms of time-wise that I can actually devote more time to the business. So that does help. That is an advantage I have. Um, yeah. Well, you hustled, and I love the fact that I, this isn't a really groundbreaking, earth-shattering podcast. I mean, we didn't come up in this podcast with any kind of really top-secret, revolutionary, exciting principles or secrets that you can start implementing today, except just get back to the basics and keep it real simple. It's not complicated. And uh, from what I hear you're saying, it's like, man, anybody can do it. What's holding you back? Why why aren't you out there hustling? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it really is, you know, it's just, you know, just decide to do it and and just go on and make it happen. Um, And, you know, like I said, you learn every day and every day is a little different and, you know, different situations and different people. And it, it's all good. You know, you're all going in the in the in the uh, forward direction. Um, but you just gotta kind of get in the game. And once you get in the game, you kind of figure it out. Instead of a lot of people trying to try to figure it all out ahead of time, you just kind of got to get going and then ask questions. This is this has been really good. It's just this is basics 101 real estate investing, and not quitting or giving up, making it work. Don't be not being afraid of networking and partnering with people and asking questions and getting some help, getting a little bit of education. And uh, it's really good. I think, I think this is going to be encouraging Henry to people who are just getting started. Um, maybe a little nervous, maybe a little afraid, don't know where to start. And I think it's going to be really helpful, especially people who are tired of themselves complicating the business. And it just doesn't need to be that way. Absolutely. So, well, hey, thank you so much, Henry. I can't think of anything else to ask you. You've given away us. You've given away all your secrets, <laughs> which really isn't nothing. Is really any secret anyway? I mean, you're just doing the right things. Yeah, yeah. So good for you, man. Yeah. Congratulations. No, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the call, Joe. All right, everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com dot com to get the show notes from this show. Um, also, if you 
I, I keep on going back to, I'm going to do a little self-promotion here, back to this book that I wrote with my business partner, Peter. We wrote a book called Being Brilliant at the Basics. And it really is just about being good at the basics, which is exactly what Henry has done. So I think that's so awesome. If you want more information about that book, if you go to freebasicbook.com, freebasicbook.com, you get some information. You have to pay shipping and handling. It's about a hundred and something pages. Um, it doesn't look like a normal book. It looks more like a workbook. But yeah, we could have spent a few more dollars and and gotten this thing hardcover and made it look more like a professional book. But it's got a lot of uh, graphics in there, uh, screenshots. Um, we talk about how we do our marketing and how we talk to sellers, how we find our buyers, all the good basic stuff. But um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Henry. We'll see you all later. Thank you.